tall, I come on my tiptoes, baby. You think a little too small. I got big goals, baby. Hey, where the money? Yeah, look, I just What's going on, everybody? Welcome into the Blazers Edge Podcast. I am your host, Danny Morang. Uh, well, I've got a mailbag edition that's going to go side by side here uh, with uh, obviously the CJ McCollum trade stuff. That's kind of the the big burner on top of the coaching search. So I decided to do just the mailbag, and then I've got a breakdown video on CJ McCollum. So if you want to check out the CJ McCollum video, I'll post it, and it'll be yep, yep, this side. There we go. Always get crossed up. I'll put it up here in the link so you guys can find it. Uh, that'll go a little bit more in depth. So if you guys had a CJ McCollum trade question, it kind of got shoved to the side, and it'll be addressed in that because it's a longer, uh, more specific dive on that stuff. But uh, we did get some good questions that were actually not related to CJ McCollum. So thank you for everybody who, uh, I know it's front of everybody's mind. It's been on the front of mind for uh, five years. So uh, I understand where you're coming from. Uh, but just a quick reminder, uh, please get your questions in. Uh, DM on Twitter, uh, on Twitter, at uh, Danny Morang. Um, IG, whatever, anywhere across social media. You can leave them at the bottom of the YouTube video. I check pretty much everything pretty regularly. So uh, if you want to get them in, just make sure you get them in there. And then uh, I'll usually just do a big grab and, and pull as many as I can uh, and make sure I get them uh, dressed. Uh, without further ado, let's kind of dive into it. This really, this first one from Ashley uh, at Bagels, I'm assuming. Uh, bagels? Well, I don't know which way. B-A-G-U-E-L-S. I think we can kind of figure out how we want to go with that one. But I'm going to go with Boggles. Um, a basic but also fundamental question when thinking about trades. What player skills would be an asset to Dame the team? As I said, the watch the rest of the playoffs, I'm trying to learn more from other players and vision how they'd complement Dame. That's actually a really, really good way to go about stuff uh, because Damian Lillard is the the guy you're not going to move. You're not going to trade off him. Um, you're looking to build around him. And you want to see who's available, what's available, what makes sense. So take a look, grand scheme, Damian Lillard is an offensive dynamo. Uh, he's a plus creator. He's not... Chris Paul, uh, he's not Russell Westbrook, but he's better than the secondary slash primary initiators like a, like a Devin Booker or something like that, um, clearly. But he, there's a clear gap between Damian Lillard and the top-level playmaker. So I think you're you're looking for guys that supplement his, his playmaking. Um, you're looking for size. You're looking for switchability. Dame's, Dame's 6'1". He's strong as an ox, uh, but he dies on screens, so you have to be flexible with your defensive scheme. You've got to have size. You've got to have length. You've got to have the ability to switch and recover. So you you want these highly prized guys. Like if you if you watch the Suns at all over the last, well, we're, after, we're recording here after the end of the series, so they swept the Nuggets. Uh, Mikhail Bridges is like the prototype for the kind of guys that you want around Damian Lillard when you're talking about like the – the role players and the things of that nature. Those are the guys that make a ton of sense, but they're also incredibly rare when they come up for contract. Mikhail Bridges is going to get paid. $25 million is probably where I would start. Um, he probably ends up closer to 27 28 um, he's, he's a stud. So when you're looking for those kind of guys, or if you're, if you're looking to trade CJ McCollum, who are the kind of players you're looking to trade them for? If you're moving off Yusuf Nurkic, who are you looking at? So... When you're talking about the types of skills, you're looking for these guys that that have, and I, I've kind of hit on this really since the the Harkless Aminu era. Um, the idea of Portland has had and continues to have a lot of guys with siloed skill sets, and by siloed I mean they do X skill really well, but the other stuff just falls off. So you've just got this one like peak silo. Imagine if you're looking at a bar graph, you just see like one that just stands out a ton. Because that's, that's what they do. That's their one bankable NBA skill. 
it may be one, maybe two, maybe three, but you need to have a, a bevy of skills that go above a certain level if you're going to be top and rotation level players. The Blazers haven't really done that well in that regard. Um, I, I bashed Neil Olshay a lot for not being able to do that, but I think he did well enough in trading Gary for, for Powell. I think that was a good move, but he's 6'3", not 6'6", not 6'7", not 6'8". So there's a little bit of a trade-off there, but I think Powell's the the, the kind of guy that you look to complement Damian Lillard with in the starting lineup. I think that's the, the first step in the right direction. Powell's got an insane reach. He's a little bit more defensive-oriented. Uh, he gets around screens better. Offensively, this team is an absolute juggernaut. Like, that's that's not an issue. Um, it gets a little bit dicier when you take McCollum off the team. That's that's for sure, because he can, even for all of the Stotts doesn't do this, Stotts doesn't do that, he puts C.J. McCollum in a position to be his most successful version, which is to get to the spots he doesn't get to the rim. That's a C.J. thing. That's not a Stotts thing. Uh, he doesn't generate free throws. That's a C.J. thing. That's not a Stotts thing. But he does murder in the mid-range, and he literally one of the five best mid-range shooters of the last decade. Um and as a three-point shooter, he's nearly a career 40% guy. So that feeds into Damian Lillard spreading the court. That's the next thing. And if you're talking about after defense and flexibility, the ability to spread the court, open up these driving lanes for Damian Lillard. There's been some back and forth um, talking about how good Dame is as a playmaker uh, over the last couple of days on, on Twitter. And I, I think it's a little bit weird to, to say that he's not elite and then have somebody push back. He's not a, it's like, it's okay for him to not be elite. That's that's an allowable thing. Like he's one of the best premier scorers in the entire world. Like that's that's what he does. He's one of the best pick and roll manipulators there is. His playmaking skill set is not elite. That and that's okay. He's not great making passes at full speed. He's he's a, a poor to no. He's a poor lob passer. Um, he's not great in traffic uh, when it comes to in the paint outside of finishing. He if you if you see him like. The guys that I, I call out in this regard are the Chris Pauls, the John Morants, the Russell Westbrooks. Right hand, left hand, full speed, decel, acceleration, um, finding not only the right guy, but maybe taking a little bit of a risk. Damian Lillard is probably one of the most risk-averse passers in the league as far as primary ball handlers go. You hardly ever see him force or look to make like that pass. He's very steady. Which I think there's part of that. If you want to say the, where the stats stuff comes in, I think the ball control plays a part in that. Um, but also, it's Damian Lillard. If he wants to make the freaking pass, he'll make the pass. If he wants to push the ball, push the pace, he'll push the pace. Like that's we saw Norm get added to this team, and, and that happened. Um, the flip side of this again is is like the the whole idea of adding that additional playmaking um, and that floor spacing. That's where it's kind of reciprocal. That's where the use of Nurkic's of the world and how his playmaking works. Even though he's catching in the middle of the floor, it opens up other avenues for when teams come up above to trap Damian Lillard. So floor spacing can be more than just shooting. It can be um, gravity as a rim roller. It can be um, being that. Uh, playmaking hub like a Yusuf Nurkic or a Sabonis or one of those types of guys or a Draymond Green in a short role like those those are all different ways of, of manipulating the floor balance outside of shooting now you can have a guy who's a non-shooter who if you if you put him in the right actions you can have the gravity necessary to open up other avenues that's just I thought the Blazers were really poor in that regard in this year uh, but we'll dive into that more but I think those are the kind of things you're looking at when you're trying to build around Damian Lillard. The problem is, those are the same things that everybody else was trying to build around too, and it drives the price up. So if you're Portland, what you're trying to do all in all is to find these 
value spaces, these value blocks where there's a market inefficiency and you can look to capitalize on that. I think those are the things that the, the Blazers have tried to do in the lower end by signing these guys on cheaper deals. I think that's where you typically get some of that type of stuff. Um, that's a big overarching question. I think it's a good way to dive into this stuff. Um, great question, Ashley. Thank you for that one. Um, but I think that's that's the one that's going to be really fun to pay attention to when it comes time for, for the draft and free agency and, and what kind of moves we'll see being made around those time periods. This from David West. Not that David West. Different David West. At D West 70 why aren't we hearing David Banterpool's name more often in the Who's the Next Coach convo? Close with Dame from when I read the league exec think he's ready. If you really choose Bill up than previous head coaching experience isn't actually necessary. I've hit, hit, excuse me, I've hit on this a couple times. I think this is more like the the whole idea of just pruning the tree entirely and full reset, full restart. Nobody who's tied to Dame previously, nobody who's tied to Stotts previously, um, nobody who's tied to the organization previously. It's just kind of let's just get a fresh start um, beyond the whole idea of maybe bringing Damian Lillard's good friend isn't a good idea for trying to have that guy be a bit of a, a hard ass. Uh, having that guy be that dude who's trying to bark at Dame, especially in his first time as a head coach. Um, this from Bruce at C's 25. Will we trade DJJ or let the new coach figure out his role? I've got, actually got a couple questions on this um, and one right leading up to the podcast. I want to make sure we got a hold of this one. So the Derek Jones Jr. stuff is is really interesting in how Portland might look to handle it. Clearly, him and Stotts did not uh, connect. <laughs> I think that's safe to say. Um, I don't think there's any like real like nastiness or hostility there in that regard as far as people, but basketball wise, it just didn't make sense. Um, so if I'm Derek, you've got a couple options. I can guarantee myself the $10 million and come back with a new coach. if That's what I want to do. Or the flip side is I could take a look at what it means to be opted into that deal and then traded. Or I can opt out completely and go see if I can get that money back somewhere else in the back end. I'm leaning towards him opting in at this point in time with the idea that they will attempt to trade him to a place that wants him or would like to utilize him in a, in a matter that makes sense. Part of what lured him to Portland in the first place was the opportunity to try some different things. It didn't work out, uh, as well as some additional money. So it'll be interesting to just kind of see how that plays out. Um I don't think it's necessarily a, a, a will they trade him or try to figure out the new coach. I think it's a little bit, let's kind of see what happens. I think that's that's kind of where we where we sit with that. Uh, from Joel, uh, may have missed the boat here. Would you say height on the front court is important to address this offseason? Yeah, it is. Um, not only height, mobility, um, switchability. Uh, I know a lot of people got frustrated with the whole idea of, well, you can't play drop coverage, you can't play drop. Cool. Find me the guy who's not going to play drop coverage, and if you say Harry Giles, stop talking. Please don't don't do that. That's that's not that's not a thing. I like Harry. Relying on Harry Giles to be the anchor of your defense behind CJ and Dame is a nightmare. That is a nightmare in waiting. There's there's no in between coverage that that figures that out. I hope Harry figures it out because I love his games, particularly his playmaking. You can't use him as a rim protector in that defense. He gets bullied. He gets bodied, and he. IQ-wise, he's just not up to speed yet. I mean, that's just the reality of where he's sitting. But the flip side of this is you can handle this by, well, one, having your other backup big and Zach Collins be healthy if they bring him back. Get a little bit more mobile in the back line and address it with size. I mean, there's a couple guys out there um, in regards to the free agent bigs, like the Dwayne Debmans of the world. Sure, like just get somebody out there who who makes sense 
um, as far as hell. If if Bobby Portis got peanuts this year, you know, if he opts out of his player option, what does that look like next year? Like, do you maybe? You know, deal with the idea of, of throwing the, a taxpayer MLE at Bobby Portis. Like, I'm not entirely against it. I mean, Tough has added that outside shot. Um, heady IQ defensively. Big body, strong as a bull, but moves his feet pretty well. Like, I've seen worse. Like, <laughs> that's that's the thing. Is like, I, I wouldn't be against something like that. It's probably a slight overpay. But welcome to Portland, where everything is overpaid. So... Um, from CDM811, how much would it take to pull T.J. Warren Miles turn to Portland? I'm cheating here. I'm kind of sneaking the C.J. McCollum one in here. It's C.J. McCollum and. Um, I'll address that more in the, in the future, but I, I, I guess I missed one. <laughs> or I just kind of wanted to tease that again. Um, this from Nathan, I'm not going to uh, read it word for word just because contract stuff kind of keeps me from, from talking about things. Um Obviously, the news is out there, NBC Sports, um, and my contract there is is over. It finished with the Blazers season. Um, four years was awesome, absolutely awesome. Uh, Joe and I and Shane and everybody else that we worked with, it was the thrill of a lifetime, absolutely unreal. Um, but stuff isn't over, so I'll just say that. I've got some, I've got some stuff in the works. Uh, the ink is already dry on, so that I'll be announcing here shortly. Um, but I will be doing, continuing to do a lot of stuff, um, around the Blazers. Um, and my wife is thrilled. <laughs> so, but thank you to everybody who reached out. Um, it's been really, really cool. Um, this is the first off season where I haven't known what, what entirely was good, how things were going to go. Um, so this is, this is kind of cool. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those things that, um, there's definitely gonna be some changes, but I'm definitely not going anywhere either. So, um, Stay tuned, and like I said, I'll, I'll announce some more stuff on that as it comes up. Uh, getting into the coaching side of things from Triple Dog, at Eric J also. Of those on the coach list, do you have a ranking of most likely to happen and who you would like to be hired? So we've got the addition of Don Staley and Becky Hammond, and I've heard that they're now going to get interviews, which that's a big change. I've heard Don Staley's name thrown around in the past, but I have not heard Becky Hammond's name thrown around at all, and I have heard from multiple people that don't even ask about Becky. So, um, and that's from down in San Antonio. So, uh, whether that's a little bit of leverage play for, for Becky and her staff or something happened in San Antonio or something along those lines, um, from what I've heard, um, Chauncey Billups is the front runner. I, I, I don't really prefer any coach that's not had experience over one coach that hasn't had experience i don't i don't know what their game plans are going to be i don't know how they're going to coach guys like i I can have a general idea like becky's probably got the most experience of them but beyond that i don't know so um but as far as most likely my money right now is heavy on chauncey um there's some dark horse candidates out there uh, that if they came through with the right offer maybe Maybe I guess that's what you're holding out hope for. Else, if you if you're not excited about this list, that's kind of what I look at. Um, but if you had to keep one, who would you keep, Melo or Ennis, and who would you pair them with, either an existing player on the roster, a trade, or a signing? This one was actually hard for me because Melo in a vacuum, as a spot up three point shooter and like kind of a bailout uh, and a shot clock guy, is not the worst situation. 
but I just don't think he can accept that role entirely. And being a year older, I I have a hard time thinking that he's going to age all that well with the other stuff outside of the three-point shooting. Um, so that leads me to go with Ennis because as a regular season center, he's going to get played off the floor in the playoffs. That, that's the reality. If I had to choose between these two, I'd probably lean on Ennis because he can give you the 82 games of the production. Uh, he, you, you know what he can do in that regard. Um, the difference is you've got to pair him with somebody not named Carmelo Anthony. So um, if they bring Zach back, they showed in the past that they could play off each other, particularly in the regular season. In the right matchup, you might be able to play Cantor in the playoffs for limited appearances. But if he's your third big, like if he took like a vet minimum or something like that, cool. I'd be totally fine with that, but I think I'm going to go that way. And that's not even me like being anti-mellow. I just, I don't think his game's going to age all that well. So, um, this from Harry, best possible and most importantly, realistic free agent signings. So it depends on what Portland's going to do, right? Like there's this whole idea of trading CJ McCollum, uh, is new use of Nurkic back next year. Are they able to re-sign Norman Powell? Personally, I think I lean towards the bigs, like which guys are going to be out there. And like I kind of highlighted that a little bit with like a Bobby Portis, uh, a Dwayne Dedman, you know, one of those bigs that, you know, here's the thing about bigs. You're either like a really top end big that next level down or there's like a there's a that next crust but probably Nurk falls in like he's maybe not. So you've got like what, three no BS elite superstar centers. Then you've got four or five guys like you can make a conversation for Nurkic in here but Nurk's a top 10 center but is he like eight nine ten or is he you know five six seven and I think that's where like there there is a there's a drop between those guys um but there's also value in those guys so it, it kind of depends but I, I think they need to lean on the bigs they got exposed big time anytime you said Nurkic wasn't on the floor like that was hilariously bad <laughs> So, and I, I don't, I don't, I don't care who you have coaching. Like there's, they were just unplayable in matchups. They, the teams were just hunting those guys and there's no amount of covering that up with the personnel they currently have. So, um, I, I would lean towards guys like that. Uh, the Bobby Portis is Dwayne Dedman's. Um, there was somebody else on that list that I had, but I can't remember off the top of my head, but I, I think there's, there's some realistic bigs that they could attempt to go sign. Um, and then kind of figure things out from there. I think that's, that's currently where they're sitting. Uh, this is the last one I'm going to hit on here real quick. This is from Credence, at Credence26. What is Nurk's trade value? I asked this question on Twitter, and actually before I saw Credence's uh, question, so perfect timing because that's the next thing I'll address in the, the next video. Um, I've asked around the league, and it is wild. It is wild. The level of... Um, importance and value that outsiders place on Yusuf Nurkic. Like, and not not in the sense of like, oh my God, it's incredibly high, but it, it goes from, hey, that's pretty good, to wow, that is, that's it? Really? Like, I've, I've heard a lottery-protected uh, first and like a two years out kind of deal. Like, I was like, hey, that's that seems a little low, right? But I've also heard like, hey, you know, you get him to the right team in the right situation, and, you know, maybe he's that guy for them. I've also had other people tell me, you know, he's there. He, they expect him to be like a candidate to to go to a super team, you know, uh, because he's a clutch client, and that's that is something that that does factor into this stuff is how much a team particularly wants to deal with a clutch client. Like that's a real issue. So, my opinion on Nurk's trade value is to the right team, he could you know be the difference between them taking that next step, but. 
you take Yusuf Nurkic off the Blazers, and they have to fundamentally change how they play and how their roster is constructed. So it's going to be interesting to kind of see how that one plays out. It's it's I'm not entirely sure. Um, that's that's a bridge that may be a bridge too far for them for right now. Trading CJ McCollum, I, I believe they're gonna they're gonna do. And again, uh, I'll have that video up uh, shortly after this one goes live. So uh, thank you everybody for getting these questions in, and thank you all so much for listening all season long. Thank you all so much for all the support for Blazers Outsiders, for Joe and I, for Shane for the last four years. It was tremendous. It was awesome. Uh, and like I said, I, I really hope to to have uh, some some fun news to share here in the next coming weeks. Um, and I'm really looking forward to. Uh, as always, please Apple Podcasts like, rate, review, subscribe, share the podcast with friends, um, do all that stuff. It's uh, it does help grow um, the brand and, and kind of recognition and, and grow the community. And uh, that's that's as as grumpy and irritable as I get sometimes. Um, that's genuinely what I what I'm after is is to talk and to have these discussions and go back and forth and call each other crazy. Um, I think that's the the fun stuff and now that uh, the world's in a little bit better place in some regard i think it is it's a little bit more relaxing and less uh frustrating to talk about a lot of this stuff and it's a lot easier to kind of lean back on so uh thank you all so much uh we'll get i guess we'll catch you next week <laughs> as always i'm gonna just kind of fumble over myself here and thank you all and uh take care bye